Are you God's servant or are you God's master? All right, interesting set of options there. I think our knee-jerk reaction would be, oh, we are all God's servants, right? That's clear. But we need to look at what are our underlying attitudes and our habitual behavior, our actions, what do they say? Because very often, and I hate to admit it, I treat God as my servant. I play the role of master, and I have him do my bidding, and I'm so mad when he doesn't do what I command. How often is that one of us? We might pray, and that prayer is not this humble supplication of one that is above us, of saying, God, I know that you know best, but from my perspective, this is what I need right now. How often is it? If you don't do this for me, I'm going to stop believing in you, or at least stop believing that you're good. I've been so good, I've come to Mass three weeks in a row, and you still haven't done this thing for me. See, it sounds ridiculous, but it's all too real. We sometimes treat the Lord not as our master, but as our servant. And it's not making us any happier. If anything, it makes us so frustrated with God all the time because he's not a very good servant to us in the sense of he doesn't do my bidding. I, in my all-knowing plans, know how things should work and they don't work out that way. And I think, well, some God you are. You were supposed to give me this blessing. You were supposed to help me with this conversation. You were supposed to fill in the blank. And then he doesn't and I'm distanced from him. What's sad, though, especially sad, is that I'm not capable of bearing the responsibility of being master. Because that's what happens. When God is not master and I have to be master, then ultimately the buck stops with me on how my life works. And I end up this insecure mess. I end up constantly thinking how I have all of these responsibilities And I have no good help, right? And when I treat God as my servant, I end up treating people as my servants as well. Right? Because if I'm master in this relationship, if he is not sovereign Lord, but rather personal assistant, if he is being treated like that genie that's meant to grant my wishes, I'm going to expect that of other people as well. And I'm going to be perpetually frustrated. I'm going to start having expectations that people are going to read my mind and know my desires. Sound familiar for those of you who are married? Right? Every now and then you're so mad at your spouse and you just think like, why can't he just know that this is what I need him to... Oh, that's right, I never told him. Doesn't she understand that... Nope, she won't. uh, Unless we're able to talk about it openly. And in all sorts of relationships, we have that kind of expectation that the other person should know exactly how we need to be served, and we have the added expectations that they then want to serve us. And it doesn't lead to our joy or to our flourishing. Rather, what does, paradoxically, is for us to assume the role of servant before God, the kindliest master. Because to serve Him is a joy, to serve Him is an honor, to serve Him is to reign in the kingdom of heaven, because He is not a despot or a tyrant. He asks you to serve because He knows that in your service you will find your flourishing. 
He loves you more than you love yourself. And so every teaching of the church, every command of the Lord, every twist and turn of divine providence, all of the times that he said no to your plans, it was with this incredible love for you. This deep knowledge of your heart and what will satisfy it. But we'll only be able to see that if we look through the eyes of servants rather than the clouded judgment of one who thinks he or she is a master. Because ultimately, before the Lord, we're beggars, right? We, we've given nothing to Him. It wasn't like any of us earned our existence and kind of came to the Lord before we ever existed and said, this is why you should create me. No, it doesn't work that way. It's that we did not exist and He said, out of love, I want to make this creature. I don't need this creature. I could be okay for all of existence without this man or this woman existing. But I know that existence, or, uh, all of creation will be more beautiful for this one soul. And so he created you. Why? Because he loved you. Loved you into existence. Gave you all that you have and all that you are. And he just asks, trust me. Follow me. Why do you have to be the one leading Can you maybe follow every once in a while? Let me take the lead, he says to us. Because ultimately, when when we have this, this frantic desire to be in control, it's not always this puffed up thought of, I'm the best. Very often, it's this insecurity of, oh man, I don't think I'm enough. And so I gotta fill myself with something. There's this void that we have and we want to fill it. And what do we fill it with? Sometimes it's prestige, this position at work, this popularity that I have, this pristine social media post that I have, or it might be a relationship. And then we place this incredible burden on another human being of having them fill what we lack. Well, guess what? No human being is ever going to fill that for you, and you're going to end up resenting them in the process if you place that burden on their shoulders. We might try to fill that void with entertainment, just losing ourselves and binge-watching this show, scrolling through this social media, doing something to just distract us from that aching void. It could be that we try to fill it with things. And it's here that we reach that point in the gospel where Jesus says, No servant can serve two masters. We might ask, what are those two masters in my life? Where is it that I need to choose between God being my master and something else? That something else, it could be my own plans. I serve those above all. If anything gets in, my, in the way of those plans, it has to be cast to the side. That might be family, that might be friends, that might be even our relationship with the Lord. How often is it that we brushed our Sunday obligation to go to church to the side for the sake of a vacation, for the sake of a work trip, for the sake of camping, for the sake of a sports trip, a band trip, whatever the case may be. We took good things and put them in the place of the best thing because at that point we were just serving our desires, serving our plans instead of serving our Lord. And he's the only one out of those three that loves us. Our desires don't love us, they're just desires. Our plans don't love us, they're just plans. Our Lord does love us enough to give his life for us. And so we can trust him. But we go back to the issue of stuff. 
right? Because that's what Jesus is talking us at the end of the day, or talking about at the end of the day. He says, no servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. What a weird word, mammon. But it basically means material possessions, money, property, things that are good, things that are useful, things that we should work toward, but things that are good but not the best thing. Things that once they become central to our life, once we convince ourselves they will fill our void, will, utterly, will uh, end up ultimately leading to our misery. And how often have we tasted just a tiny bit of that? We worked so hard to get that thing. We got that thing. We were so happy with it for a day or a week or a month or until the next model came out and we thought, oh, I worked toward this goal. All my happiness was wrapped up in this thing. Now I have that thing and the void is still here. What God is saying is not, you have to think about me all the time and reject everything else as bad. He's saying, no, other things are good, but they're not the good your heart is longing for. I am, so seek me. Serve me, because I'm the one who loves you enough to where even though, absolutely speaking, I'm not your servant, I came to the earth to serve you. Not to serve you as in to do your bidding, but to serve you as in to give my very lifeblood for your flourishing, for your eternity. I want you to live for more than just this weekend. I want you to live for more than just what I'm going to be able to accumulate and maybe hand over to my family when I leave. All of those are fine things, but God says live for eternity and I will take care of all the rest. Do we believe that? And then how do we do that? Well, Jesus made it clear. He said the person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. What are the small matters, the tiny little things that we maybe ignore, give ourselves a pass on? Because really the devil's in the details, isn't it? We know that in relationships. Sometimes the thing that hurts more is not the blow-up argument, but it's that look of disdain. That look of, yeah, that person doesn't respect me, and I feel it in my bones. Sometimes it's not the long thought out thing that someone says, but that passing comment that just just cuts right to the heart. It's the little things that the devil loves to exploit. But you know what? Love is in the little things. And so not only is the devil in the details, but love is in the little things, which means we, by working on the little things, can end up being capable of great sanctity. And the little things will be different for each of us this week. But I invite you at this Mass to think about the little things, to ask God, what are the little things that you want me to work on? What are those little teachings of the church that I routinely ignore? What are those little habits that I have in my relationship that I know just annoy my, my family members, my spouse, my coworkers, my friends so much, but I've just not had the love for them to work on it? What are the little things that I ignore, little signs from you where you are asking me to go deeper in prayer and I say, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. What are the little things for you and how can you be faithful in them? Because then you will be faithful in the big things as well. One possible little thing that a lot of us ignore is something that has to do with the you cannot serve both God and mammon. Tithing. 
We think, ah, it's kind of, I get it, yeah, fine, but other people will tithe for me. That's true, they might. But what is our attitude in giving of what we have? Because 100% of it is gift from the Lord, right? The talent that I have, the work ethic, the energy, the body that I have to work with, all of that are gifts from God. So everything goes back to His loving generosity And then when I give back to him, whether it be in some charitable cause, whether it be a family member that I know needs help, whether it be in supporting my local parish, what's my attitude with that? Because I think very often the attitude that sneaks in is one where we think we're the master and he's the servant. And we treat tithing as if it's an end-of-the-year bonus. Like we're just kind of giving to God from whatever's left over. We say like, yeah, here, you've been pretty good this year, God. So here, I'm going to give you this little bit. Instead of thinking, I'm the servant in this scenario. And my God, my master has been just recklessly generous with me, giving me absolutely everything. What kind of sign can I give of how much I want to give back to him? I have so many responsibilities, so many things that I I, I need to use all that I am and all that I have toward. But how can I think of him first and give of who I am, my, my talent, my time, my energy, and of what I have, my treasure, my gifts? How can I give that to him in a way that respects that I am the servant and he is the master? Friends, Jesus calls us to this. Precisely because it's what will free us from dependency. Dependency on the things of this world. Dependency on the security that we find in anything other than God. What he wants ultimately is for us to live in that sovereign freedom of the sons and daughters of God. Those who are fixed on heaven and, said, and are able to say, like that, that, that is absolutely everything for me. Everything comes second to that because I am not the master of this genie God out there. I am the servant of the God-man, Jesus Christ. To serve him is to reign because he is one who loves his servants and calls them friends and calls them sons and daughters. And so we come to him today with our servant hearts. We think about those little things that we can do this week. And we ask through those little things for God to change the way we look at who we are and who he is to us. So that we can serve him and in serving him find our deepest joy.